welcome to Ipsy Dixit, a podcast on legal scholarship. I'm Ben Edwards, Associate Professor of Law at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, William S. Boyd School of Law. My guest is Anne M. Lipton, the Michael Fleischman Associate Professor in Corporate Law and Entrepreneurship at Tulane University Law School. We will discuss her article, Not Everything is About Investors, the Case for Mandatory Stakeholder Disclosure. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Glad, so so glad to have you here. Uh, this this paper is fantastic, and <laughs> you, you you also write uh, every week for the Business Law Professor blog. And I know I really enjoyed reading your posts and the thoughtful way you cover the big events and business and securities law. Do, do you feel as though that, that 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 kind of more constant writing and engagement informs the bigger pieces you do, like this paper, and gives you lots of examples for it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing about the blog is that um, on the one hand, it, it, it can be sort of a time suck, especially when I have other things to do, but it forces me to sort of stay abreast of what's going on um, in business developments and to think about them and think about them legally. And then ultimately, a lot of my posts end up making it one way or another into the stuff that I write or become inspiration for the stuff that I write. So it, it, it the, 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 the pressure of blogging is good for me. And it, 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 it constantly focuses uh, me on what I'm doing and, and, and forces me to generate new ideas. It's, it, it comes through in the piece because so many of the examples are, are somewhat ripped from the headlines. You're not just going off of, you know, what's in, you know, old casebooks, but you're, you're pulling in the, the sort of big things that have been affecting, you know, us as a society. So, so just the, the draft is, is fantastic. You're, you're, you're bold and you come out and say things uh, that other scholars have just sort of danced around. Uh, for decades, that, that disclosure is for you know, investor interests, and all these arguments are framed for investor interests. Uh, but but investors are not the only people that matter in society. So so what what things would would we want as stakeholders that we we don't want as investors? What are we not getting now? Um, well, I mean, there I, I, the paper sort of tries to create a kind of taxonomy of the sorts of disclosure interests that are like for non-investor audiences that would not be for investors. So um, one of the places where it's more like a tension issue is that there are certain kinds of things that are damaging to the corporation, like, you know, information about risks or liabilities or bad things that they might be doing that obviously the rest of society wants to know. And how much investors actually want to know that kind of thing is actually sort of a mixed bag, because on the one hand, investors do want to know about the risks associated with their investments. But to the extent a disclosure actually ends up being something of a confession that's going to damage the company, there might be some degree of tension there. Um, so that's sort of a kind of borderline thing where investors sort of want to know what bad things the company is doing so they can know to avoid the risk. But then the other thing, they don't, on the other hand, they don't want disclosures that are going to actually hurt the company and have like the company be in, get, get the company in some kind of trouble, whether it's ethically or actually legally. But even more broadly than that, um, there's just sort of like um, one of the things I talk about is scale. Now, this is something that George Georgiev has written about, which is um, that a very big company um, it's not going to disclose every minute detail of things that they're doing because right. some things are just too small to matter to the company's health overall. And that may be true, but if it's a very big company, things that are very small in relation to the company overall may still be very impactful for people's lives. And the obvious example here is something like Google or Alphabet, which owns YouTube. And so I think New York Times actually had a recent article about YouTube being like, 
that like the most important CEO you've never heard of or something like that. And that's because we don't know much about YouTube because YouTube's owned by Google and Google's position is you don't need to know about YouTube. It's barely relevant. We're so big, except YouTube is obviously relevant to like the rest of the world, you know, so that, so, so that's like one reason why like an investor oriented disclosure people, investors in Google may not need to have YouTube broken out, but the rest of us kind of do. So that's one issue. Um, another kind of issue has to do with what we would call things like social disclosures, right. things like diversity efforts, um, uh, you know, those kinds of things. They're sort of a mixed bag of research on how much that impacts the corporate bottom line. And that may very well be accurate. I mean, maybe it's true that, like, you know, not every issue pertaining to whether or not you promote women or promote people of color has to do with whether or not the company will profit. And that's, you know, totally reasonable from an investor perspective. They don't need to know about the company's diversity efforts if they're not going to impact the bottom line. But the rest of us, that's kind of really important. So that's an aspect of a company's operations that may really matter um, to non-investor audiences, but um, that doesn't matter that much to investors. And so a disclosure system that's designed solely for investors doesn't really capture that kind of information. That makes sense. And, and just thinking, thinking a little bit about, about one of the things you, you said, that there, there are times when investors don't want to know the truth, where, you know, it, it, is, it, is it the case with uh, corporate political spending? That yeah. sometimes you want uh, you want your local you want, you want to make sure that politicians have uh, you know been paid, uh, but you don't want the blowback landing on the company. So you you want to generate a friendly regulatory environment with the donations, but you don't want to talk about it or you don't want to yeah. have to talk about it publicly. That, 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 yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, so to some extent, how, like, so investors sometimes vote in favor of more disclosure of corporate political spending because they do want to know how much the company's business model is developed, is it dependent on something like a, a, a a, a friendly political regime, but not always and not in all cases, because to some extent they might recognize that these things, you know, from the company's perspective, are more effective if there's a degree of lack of disclosure, or maybe the com- or maybe investors just don't feel that every bit of corporate political spending is going to be material to the overall business model. If it's a small amount of spending for a minor regulatory thing, then that may not just be a big deal for investors, but it could be very impactful for people's lives in terms of understanding how their political process works. So, so I think Sarah Sarah Hahn wrote about this uh, in her, exactly. her paper on, on voter primacy. And, and one of the points there was, was that investor disclosure works on an investor timetable. Uh, and so you're going to get these disclosures if you ever get them with the annual report. And if that happens after the election, is the political is, is it useful to voters? Um, yeah, so exactly. So she 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 walks through this in terms of um, the concept, the idea, basically, that um, uh, she, she does a, a breakdown of how uh uh, disclosure of political spending um, from a point of view that's shareholder centric, as some Supreme Court decisions have suggested, doesn't really capture um, the impact of that spending um, for the political system for, for the political system for voters. It, it doesn't fulfill the needs of voters in terms of understanding how the political system is is being manipulated. Um, and I completely agree with her analysis. Um, and 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 I, I I cite her paper quite a bit. And my general you know sort of approach is to say, and it goes beyond political spending that like yes, we're all yes. Different ways that you know, if we that we gear a disclosure that we have this sort of disclosure system that's really geared for investors, and it's doing double duty in that 
a lot of other constituents benefit from this disclosure system, but it's not really designed for them. And that's a serious flaw in the model. It's, it's, it's one of the, the challenging things about it. It's you know, there are all these other public benefits, but the, the system is really designed for investors. And you know, I think uh, you, 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 saw, you talk about another paper from uh, Daniel Himmel and Dorothy Lund uh, about sexual harassment and the, the shareholder liability context. And they use this term or you, discursive harm uh, for you know, for sort of trying to capture. What, what does that mean? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. They, so basically they're I mean, they're ultimately in favor of the idea of, of using the concept of sexual harassment as a as an offense against shareholders, essentially. And I don't disagree. I mean, I don't think, it, you know, it, it damages, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. It does damage the company. But one of the things they recognize is that when we talk about sexual harassment in terms of an undisclosed liability that can harm investors, there's a risk that our conversation um, sort of focuses on investors instead of focusing on the actual victims here, which are not investors ultimately. The actual victims here are the people who are sexually harassed, and they refer to that concept as discursive harm. And I and I quote that in the paper because my basic point is that since our we we have this disclosure system and it's geared toward investors, and so when we talk about what needs to be disclosed, we talk about investor needs, and there's really almost no discussion of what kinds of disclosures are needed for the broader public, except, and that that is, is, has this sort of subtle way of influencing the discourse. Like we're not even talking about whether we should have a sort of general transparency for the purposes of society when corporations reach essentially a size, a, a, a size or an importance that they have a kind of impact on society. This, the, the point is, is I think increasingly important uh, because we, we've entered a, a time uh, where arbitration has taken over a lot of um, you know, the, the workload. So information we would normally think about getting through public court processes, we don't receive that way anymore. And so absent stakeholder disclosure, if we're not finding out about it through the courts or we're not finding out about it through securities disclosure. Do we ever learn the information we need? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we do, but we do, I think I would say, you know, too late. I mean, first of all, we don't know what we don't know, obviously. But I mean, one of the arguments that's made is that things like an Uber situation. So Uber was a private company. It didn't have any of the mechanisms of disclosure that you have associated with public companies. And it became sort of like it. it and it wasn't until it became big enough. Um, and its problems bad enough that it just could not, even for a private company, they couldn't conceal it. They spilled into the public eye. So we had this apparently an overwhelming sexual harassment problem. We had all kinds of misconduct at the executive levels. I think Eric Holder like had to put around a memo about like not using drugs during office hours, which they had a memorandum don't do coke at the office yeah, so, so i mean the point of this being that like the the idea being that um the secrecy kinds of enables problems to sort of fester and it's not that we'll never ever know because once right. it, you know if the company becomes big enough and the problems become big enough they'll get out in some other way but um a, a, a sort of regular disclosure system helps catch them early or forces the board to catch them early. It keeps up sort of a public eye on these kinds of things. And that works when the, you know, it works up to a point when the company is a public company. It doesn't work when the company is a private company and it only works for certain topics when it's a public company and so forth. So let's, let's, let's jump in here for, for our listeners. So when we say public company, um, what, what does that, what does that mean? Is it, does it mean that the public that's owned by the government? Uh, what, what, does, what does it mean for a company to be public? Okay, so it basically means that the company makes its um, securities available to the public. So, I mean, the system is sort of, you know, undergoing constant um, 
changes. But basically the way it works is that if you're a company and you, you can't grow unless you get um, capital investment from, you know, investors. And right. and if you just, you know, ask your mother to invest or your father to invest or your close friends to invest, that's not considered raising capital from the public. And so you can keep your, um, you know, all your internal information private. You can, you know, share it with your investors if they ask for it. Otherwise, the government has really nothing to say about what you disclose to those people. They ask for, you know, but once you start asking for capital from the public, once you still start selling your shares to the public, um, essentially to protect them and to ensure that the public has a way of understanding your business and understanding how to price the securities that you're selling, um, the government requires you to publicly disclose information about about um, about your business, and that and that way, the public starts to get a little window into how you're operating. Now, what happened over the past several years, really, is the government is is the securities laws have changed to kind of gradually expand the definition of what counts as private sales and make it easier for you to raise capital from groups of investors without it counting as a public sale, usually by selling only to very wealthy institutions. And so that has made it easier for companies to raise a lot of money to sell a lot of its shares without it counting as a public sale. And so without coming with the obligations of making public disclosures. And that's why you end up with Uber, which just went public, Airbnb, which is still private. These are very big companies, their household names. And they've raised a lot of money from investors. But for a securities law perspective, they're still counted as private companies because their sales of their stock have counted as private sales, mainly because they've limited those sales to a sort of limited number of very, very wealthy investors. Um, and so the point being that the government doesn't require them to do, when they've done this, when they don't sell, when their shares aren't available to everyone, then they're only available to the select few right. wealthy investors. The government doesn't require them to disclose information about their operations. And that means that the rest of the universe, you know, us, normal people, we don't have any information about their operations either. So that's one problem that I see that like these, there are these companies that are becoming very big and very important socially, but they're not required to disclose a whole lot, even though the rest of us who aren't investors may need that information. And then so, the second order problem is that even after they become public companies, like Uber is now a public company and they're disclosing information to the public, essentially for the benefit of their investors. As I said before, the information they disclose may be very important to their investors, but they're leaving out the stuff that isn't necessary, that may not be important to their investors, but is important to the rest of us. Like, Google not disclosing details about the YouTube subsidiary or companies in general not disclosing information about their diversity efforts because it's not considered financially relevant. So, so private companies, very hard to get that information. Uh, public companies, still hard to get the useful information or a lot of useful information because it's tailored to investor interests. Exactly. So, so you, one of the, you, you, you do a just, it was delightful to read, you, you sort of called out a lot of what happens in this space, uh, you know, where shareholders are seeking this information and, and arguing that they're doing it uh, for shareholder specific reasons, but are, are they when they when they go after sort of economic or social and or information, are they are they always doing it for investor purposes or are they doing it for some other reason? Yeah, so that's one of the arguments I make. So basically, if you're a private company and you want, you know, to, if there's a private company and people want information about, you know, their, it's usually referred to as their social performance, whether, you know, how they're impacting their environment or their relationship with their workers, there's basically, there's no obvious way to get it at all. When it's a public company, 
um, because they're not making disclosures in general. But when it's a public company, they have to make these disclosures to investors. So when people want this kind of information about a public company, um, what tends to happen is they try to find a reason why investors would care. And that way it can go through the investor disclosure system. So what you see is a sort of relatively common, you know, this, this steady stream of situations where um, an advocacy group, maybe with a very minor stake in the company, they might have a large, I mean, it really varies who, who it is, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll put forth a, a proposal that the company disclose some information about their operations and they'll claim it's because it's relevant to find, you know, investors that has some financial hook. Um, when in fact, I mean, we all know, like everybody knows, that's not the reason that they're asking. It, it, it may have a financial impact. It may not, but it's not their right. real motivation for asking. Their real motivation they're asking is because they think this is important from a social perspective. So it's everything from um, shareholder proposals for companies to disclose their diversity um, you know, efforts, shareholder proposals to get companies to disclose their environmental impact, shareholder proposals to get Amazon to report on, you know, the human rights impact of their recognition facial software. And all of this is important. I'm not claiming any of it's not important. My whole point is that it is important. But because the only obvious mechanism to get this runs through yeah. securities laws, everybody who wants it has to sort of pretend some reason why there's a financial interest in it. And this gets back to this discursive harm thing. You can't really even talk in any real detail about the public need for that data because right. there's no disclosure system for the public. It, it, if it doesn't matter to investors, there's no reason why it should be in the disclosure system. So everything has to be discussed in terms of um, investor impact. And I think that that just... It limits the kind of data we can get, and it forces everyone into this frame of thinking about things from an investor perspective instead of from a societal perspective. One of the examples you mentioned for this was the uh, the Episcopal Church is is seeking information about human rights and you know sort of what what's happening on that front, and they they can't make their argument just in terms of human rights. They 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 have to make the argument by reference to how a human rights violation will affect investors. Yeah. It, it feels it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And this is common. I mean, like, so you have a lot of church groups and they'll have investments as well. And there may be socially responsible funds, but when they seek information from companies, they'll always have to put some kind of hook on it. Of, And of course, this could increase liabilities and reputational risk, which will ultimately impact investors. And nobody thinks that that's the Episcopal Church's interest, but they have to say that that's their interest because our disclosure system is about what's material to investors. And we don't have a disclosure system that's about what's material to everybody else. So it, it seems like Congress is doing some of this too. Uh, there's the the CEO pay ratio rule. Yeah, the CEO. Is that, yeah. Yeah. Is, is, well, do we really care about that? Yeah. I mean, well, it, they, it's not that they literally don't. I mean, there are certainly arguments for why they would in terms of, you know, maybe if it's, if it's too high a ratio, it would mean that the CEO is collecting excess rents. You can always invent a reason. Um, but I mean, it seems pretty obvious that, that the pay ratio disclosure rule, which requires companies to disclose the ratio of the CEO pay to the median worker pay. It, it, I mean, it's pretty obvious that that, the, 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 that rule, and you can like it or not like it, but it's probably has very little to do with investor protection and everything to do with trying to, 
shame companies or call out companies for excess CEO pay. And that's not about investors. That's about society. That's about letting the employees know. It's about letting, you know, the rest of us know. Um, But the only disclosure system we have is a disclosure system for public companies that's geared to our investors. So that's where the rule gets put. And then, you know, and this is again, George Georgiev and Stephen Bank wrote this great piece that talks about how that distortions ends up with the SEC going, well, I don't know what to do with this because it's not really about investors. And I don't know how to implement this rule because it's not really about investors. So we'll come up with, you know, ways that ultimately make it useless to everybody. And there are lots of other explain, uh, uh, examples like, um, oh, um, uh, uh, there's a, uh, there, are, there are constant like proposals to do things like make companies disclose to the extent to which their operations may facilitate or, you know, accident, but presumably not intentionally human trafficking. Now I'm against human trafficking too, but it has nothing to do with investors, but the only disclosure system we have is an investor disclosure system. So when you want disclosure of that kind of thing, you say, all right, well, we'll make public companies disclose it as though that has anything to do with investors. And it also means that private companies don't disclose anything at all. It just creates this incredibly distorted dialogue and that everything we want to know about companies has to be filtered through the investor system. Yeah, and so the investors aren't the answer, uh, you know, to everything. There's legislation pending in Congress now uh, around cybersecurity disclosures, essentially to make the board disclose its expertise in cybersecurity. And if it doesn't have any, uh, you know, how it deals with that. If, if that's useful for the FBI or others to target where they should help or, or firm up, uh, you know, protection, wouldn't it just be equally useful to know that about private companies as well? More important for private companies. So many private companies are like startup firms that are not public that 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 are dealing with our you know data every day. Airbnb being another example. I don't even well Palantir. You know you can think oh, yeah. of a million private companies that have access to our data. Um, and, and it's now cybersecurity is a serious financial risk to companies. So there's a real reason why public companies, there's no reason why investors yeah. would be would care. But it's also a risk to every other person like for, for all national security risk right and so if we need to know this and if we need to know this not just for investors but for customers for um for for um finance for regulators and so forth there's no reason that those kinds of disclosures should only be filtered through a system that's designed for investors we need another system another disclosure system that's for the rest of us yeah so we, we, we see this this need i think also with, with private companies or private equity taking over public infrastructure so uh, they're operating a local power grid uh, or they have a, a history of regulatory violations. You might know about if it's a public company, but you're not going to know about if it's a private company. Like, is, is, this, is, this, is this information like how, how else would a municipality get this when considering whether or not to grant a contract? Right. So exactly. So, I mean, like, so, so that, yeah, so that's another point, like place where we see the issue being about. So the issue being that we see a lot of private companies in the sense that they're not public. So they're not making public disclosures that are owning really important facilities. And the public doesn't have a whole lot of window into their operations. And so private companies will take over all these infrastructure companies. So that's one of the things I mentioned in the paper. And certainly a regulator can ask, I mean, like a regulator can say, you're going to take over our water. We're going to sell you our waterworks unless we have certain disclosures. There's no question that like local regulators can demand information of companies as a condition to running whatever facilities or selling facilities. That can absolutely happen. But my argument is, you know, the the same that that le- that regulators can't do it all. There's a reason why transparency is important. Um, they're often 
especially local regulators, may not have the complete resources they need to be able to process the information, to know what information to ask for. And And that kind of transparency can open a window to allow regulators to coordinate more easily, to coordinate with other kinds of experts. Um, I mean, there's a re- it's the same reason why investors can't bargain piece by piece for information they need. The, the reason why we have a sort of public disclosure system for investors is the assumption that in- investors individually may not be able to bargain for all the information they need. And it's inefficient to make them bargain individually with each company. That it makes more sense to have a basic package of disclosures that companies disclose to everybody. And I think the same thing works when we're talking about local regulatory systems that each individual regulator making them ask over and over and over when the same company is taking over multiple mortgages in multiple jurisdictions um, may put too great a burden on regulators. And it may be easier to just say companies that are functioning in this space need to have a basic package of disclosures that they make to everybody. Oh, it, it, it seems as though it, it would also be more efficient because it, the cost of doing that, like each municipality trying to get information on its own, probably not able to get a lot of it, doesn't know the questions to ask. But even the ones that do do it, they're just duplicating that effort over and over and over. Exactly. It, it seems to just be so much more efficient. Yeah, exactly. The- and, and, and the whole and the whole theory here is, of course, that, you know, not every regulator has the same kind of resources. But if it, there's a package of information that all companies operating that have to disclose once they reach a certain size, then, you know, other people who have expertise in the area will be able to see and be able to communicate with regulators. I mean, that kind of transparency just essentially contributes to better oversight. So so you, you get questions about well, or what when when, do you, when would you phase this in? Uh, would would uh, you know, how big would a company be before? Uh, before you would, how, how do you set that line? Okay, so yeah, see, that's the thing that like, obviously, like the practicalities of it are, are not where I get into the specifics. I mean, the basic idea of the paper is to sort of um, propose that we need a disclosure system that isn't filtered through the securities laws, that we need a disclosure system that's geared towards public needs in general. And then I, I intentionally get wishy-washy as you're catching out on the details of how that proposal would work. I mean, what I, I mean, my basic idea being that you would only be concerned about companies of a certain size, and the vast majority of businesses in America are, are small businesses; they wouldn't be captured. But you would have some kind of, of you know, trigger based on revenues or on assets or a number of employees or some combination of the two. And I will openly admit that I'm not even going to try to, you know, guess at like you know the specific number. Yeah. Does it- it does it does it yeah, I, I kind of see it as it doesn't really matter if it's you know a uh, hundred million or a hundred and ten million you know there's there's, there's uh, no matter what we do there's going to be some arbitrariness right absolutely that. like I mean and I don't think and this is a classic case of I don't want the perfect to be any of the like whatever line we draw it's not going to be perfect it's either going to be over under inclusive but I don't think that's a reason not to do it once a company reach like there's clearly got to be some size threshold that once a company reaches that kind of size they're not really private anymore that they have they are they're having such a public impact that it's reasonable to ask them to operate with a degree of transparency. And yeah, maybe it means things below that number really should be captured and we're not capturing those two, but that's not a reason not to capture the ones that we should capture or that we can capture. Right. So, so there's this, there's this idea of you know, publicness that, that when a, when a company has a certain impact on us, even if it's still a private company, it, 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 it we, we care about it as a society and we have a real interest in it in some sense that we're, we're legitimate stakeholders, but do they, do they have kind of an edge against companies that are part of the public disclosure process? Are, are they, is it more profitable for them? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, so this is um, okay. So first of all, one thing I just want to highlight that you use the word publicness, and I, I think that's the important word, and it's it's a word that I think Hillary Sale coined, but although um, and um, in her writings about companies that sort of they're they 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 are treated as something like public institutions because they're so large and important, and she doesn't mean the very biggest company; she just means companies that are important in people's lives. They have such an impact on people's lives that people expect them to operate with a degree of sort of transparency and in order to have a sort of social legitimacy. And she calls that publicness, and that's the concept that I'm getting at as well. Um, but and and the way that and and my argument is that that requires transparency, even if they are not considered public companies for securities law purposes or for for investor purposes. So, um, so yeah, and I just forgot this, the, the, the first part of your question. Oh, um, so the competitive yeah. advantage they have. Yeah. So, oh, so the, right. Companies so, aren't going public as much as they used to. Right. So companies aren't going public as much. Now, there's a reason why they aren't. Well, there are lots of arguments as to why, but I think the most obvious reason is because, as I said earlier, the securities laws have made it easier for you to raise capital without being treated as a public company, without going to what counts as public investors. And if you can raise a lot of capital without being a public company in the sense of seeking capital from the general, you know, every ordinary person, um, with all of the public disclosures that that entails, um, you're going to do that. It's it's cheaper to do that. It's cheaper not to make public disclosures. And so you, you know, so you'll do that at least as long as you can. And, and, and so a lot of companies are choosing to forego becoming what are public companies in the sense of investor, you know, selling their investors, selling securities to investors generally. Um, and they do have that sort of advantage. Now, one of the things I'm thinking is that, you know, if we had a system that required every company, whether you're considered public or private, once you reach a certain size, sort of basic package of disclosures for the public, then first of all, the advantage to saying private in the investor sense would um, become less important. There would be there would be less of an advantage to not selling your securities to the because you're still to the public because you still have to make some degree of disclosures. So you'd probably be more inclined to sell securities to the public because the difference between staying private and being a public company from an investor standpoint would be pretty minimized. So right. and I think and that would mean that they would have um and and less of an advantage um relative to public companies in the investor sense. And also, I mean, this has been documented for a while that when you make public disclosures that are geared towards investors, they have an economic effect on your competitors, on other businesses in the industry beneficial to them, because when they can see what their competitors are up to, it helps them sort of structure their own businesses, which means it hands private companies something of an advantage. Um, And that would and, and, and that kind of, you know, sort of distorts the playing field. So if everybody had to make a certain basic set of disclosures based on size, then that would, I think, level the playing field more. I see a couple of benefits from this. You know, you, you're, the consumer would benefit if that generated a little more competition uh, and would perhaps bring prices down for the public when you're buying goods or services. But also, strangely... If we stop putting investors first, it might also benefit public investors by bringing more companies into the public market. Yeah, I think exactly. It would give less advantage. You have less incentive to stay private from an investor standpoint in terms of not selling securities to the public if you if that doesn't allow you to keep your finance, if you're going to have to disclose certain basic facts about your business, no matter what you do, once you reach a certain size, and there's no reason not to just go ahead and sell your securities to the public. Now, I think there are drawbacks, there are potential unintended consequences. And one of the big ones that I'm thinking about is, um, you know, people are concerned. A lot of people have, you know, raised concerns that when companies disclose information publicly, that can purport to be a basis for collusion. So that might be something like a downside here that if you, require more disclosures even from private companies, what you may unwittingly end up doing is facilitating kind of cartelization. Um, but 
you know, that's been a concern since the securities laws were, you know, like, you know, since babies. Right. And, and I'm not sure, I'm not saying it's not a real concern. It's one that's a manageable one. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's, we, we may have seen something like this around. Um, I've, I've heard arguments about executive compensation disclosures leading to just rampant increases in executive comp- compensation because exactly. once they can see what their competitor was making, they would go to the board and demand more money. Exactly. And there have been some studies about the extent to which um, public disclosures in the security space are, are used to facilitate collusion among actors in the same industry. And there are some studies on that that show, you know, under some conditions, sometimes it can. Um, and, and so I, I, I don't want to say that that's not a concern because I think it is a concern. Um, I'm just not con- so convinced that it's such a huge concern that it would downplay the other benefits and that it can't be managed. Right. So the, the challenging thing with with big ideas like this is that, you know, there, there are going to be uh, you know, downsides to it. But, but on balance, uh, you know, doing doing your business in the daylight seems much better than doing, you know, having our corporations do all their business in the dark. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, and I just want to emphasize this is one thing about the paper is that, you know, I, I you know, I would love to say that I am like the most original person out here to say we should have a disclosure right. in this not for investors. But sadly, I'm not the first person to disclose this because this has actually been sought um, about big companies since the dawn of the large corporations. So like, you know, so as soon as corporations started getting big back in the progressive era, politicians, commentators, whatever, were were, were begging for a disclosure system that would essentially be for the public so that the public could keep an eye on what these companies were doing and use all the mechanisms of social control to keep them, you know, honest and pro-social and behaving well. And that those calls were essentially channeled into what became the securities laws. They became disclosures aimed at investors only. Um, and then there was another movement again in the 60s and 70s um, to get companies to disclose information, not for investors, but just for the general public. So the general public could use the power of, you know, social program and whatever else to keep companies honest. And that was, again, channeled into, well, we don't need to disclose this stuff for the general public. Maybe we should just you know, think about how social behavior impacts investors and filter that through the securities laws. So every time this gets proposed, people find ways to channel it back into disclosures only to investors. And I just that that's def- I don't think that's sufficient. It's particularly obvious how insufficient it is when you're taking so many companies out of the public eye. Right. And so so how do we how do we get there this time around? Is, is there well, a chance that, you know, there's 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 hope for this on the horizon or I mean, do we is disclosure the answer to society's problems or is it what we really need to figure out how to answer our problems? I, yeah, I think it's a starting point. Like, so first of all, I would never say that disclosure is like the end. Um, I don't think disclosure as a regulatory tool is the end of anything, but I do think it's a nice start. Um, um, there are lots of ways that disclosure kind of keeps companies honest. Everything from the fact of the social eye on them, helps them behave well, from it gives a bargaining pressure to employees, to consumers when they don't like how a company's operating, to, and this happens, people have discussed this in the context of the securities laws, once again, Hillary Sales talked about this a lot, to the fact that companies have to gather information and disclose it, focuses their attention on it when they might not have otherwise been paying attention. Um, so, it, but And it gives information to regulators, which they can then use to regulate. Um, how we? So I don't think it's the end, I don't think if we have disclosure, therefore all regulation stops. But I do think it's a starting point. As far as how we get there, I mean, you know, I don't have hopes that any legislation gets passed at all at any time, anytime soon in today's political environment. But like, I noticed that we have things like Elizabeth Warren and a lot of other politicians proposing things like 
putting employee representatives on the board and having employees vote for directors. Well, for me, that's like a natural place to have a disclosure system that's not aimed at shareholders, because if I'm going to vote by virtue of my status right. as an employee, not my status as an investor, don't I need a system that's geared to my interests as an employee, not my interests as an investor? That makes so, sense. So that's the play, you know, so that's where I would hope you would see some progress in these areas. Well, excellent. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This is, uh, I, do, do you know uh, when you're going to put the paper out at this um, point? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's still very much a draft. Um, um, well, I'll just say openly, if there's any listener who really wants to see a draft, I'm happy to send it to them and they should email me and I'll send it to them privately. But um, I, whatever happens, I'll, I'll, I'll post some version of it publicly uh, later this summer. And uh, that's basically where I am now. It, it is it is a fantastic draft. And I'm, I'm looking forward to to reading the final version. Thank you. The next, the next iteration. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Everybody look around, hear the sound. Something special's gonna come your way. We got something that is new, that is true. We got.